You know, probably a lot of you have been watching the U.S. presidential elections this week, no? This week, we have witnessed one of the craziest elections in the United States history, and it's still not over. <laughs> it is now? Wait and see. <laughs> I guess what Biden was announced this morning. All right. I guess it was expected to go this way because of the way the rest of 2020 went. It couldn't have been any other way, right? A crazy year we've been having, and this was expected that it's going to go this way. Now, I'm not going to go into details this morning about the election. Uh, this is not a political sermon. Um, we'll touch on some things uh, just to tie it in with uh, what we're going to talk about. Uh, I have my own opinions about that, and you have your own opinions about that, and those are just opinions, right? And so, uh, not a political sermon today, but as a person who is carefully studying the prophecies of Revelation, I inadvertently find myself wondering how the prophecies of Revelation are being fulfilled right before our eyes today. Don't you have the same question? Are the prophecies of Revelation being fulfilled today? So putting aside all the politics and all the opinions that we might have this, this morning, I believe that is my obligation and my duty to weigh in on this from a prophetic perspective, from a biblical perspective. Now, America had a choice to make in this election, and why I'm speaking about this, because you know that what America is very important, whatever goes in America goes in the entire world, right? Uh, it's very, very important to understand that. Uh, it's not to put them on pedestal, but that's how world, the world works right now. Uh, they're leaders of the world, so whatever happens there, it will affect the entire world, especially it will affect us here in Canada. And so America, United States, they had a choice to make in this election, and they made their choice by voting for one or the other candidate. But in my opinion, the choice they made goes deeper than just the name of the person they put on their ballot. In my opinion, they chose to continue with a very troubling trend that has begun in the United States a while back, and that trend is the secularization of, United, of America. You might ask, how did I arrive to this conclusion? Well, one thing is clear from this election and from the events that have been happening in the United States in the last 20 to 30 years, especially in the last few months, it is very clear that socialism is making inroads into the United States. It's a very clear thing. You don't have to be a scientist to know what's happening. Uh, you don't have to be pol uh, politicians to see that. It is not a secret agenda anymore. They're very open about it. A few years back, you wouldn't even talk about socialism in the United States, but now it's one of the most popular ideologies that is being promoted by the radical left. And to bring up the election, and once again, I don't know who you're 
who were you for, like for Biden or for Trump. Uh, that's your personal opinion. This doesn't matter. I'm just talking about trends in, in history and in, in, in the United States right now. So don't take it personally if you are you know, voting for Trump or for Biden. This is nothing personal uh, of that nature. So uh, looking at this election, you know that Joe Biden is called the most progressive president, now president, he was, he was a candidate in the United States history, the most progressive. Now, by the way, the word progressive is the code word for liberal. <laughs> when they say progressive, it really means radical liberal. And so, radical liberalism is coming into the United States very, very heavily. Once again, you don't have to be a politician to see that. And, and so, why is this important? How does it relate to secularism? Well, <clears throat> those who grew up in socialist, communist countries will understand what I'm talking about. Socialism and secularism are closely interconnected. Usually, where there is socialism, there is secularism and atheism later. Uh, socialism is based on Marxism. Mar Marxism advocates that religion is opium or poison for the people. That's the basic principle of Marxism, that religion is a poison for people. So if you adopt Marxism, which is socialism, then you adopt that principle as well, that this is opium for the people. So more than that, as history repeatedly shows, Socialism leads to communism, which, believe me, from my personal experience, I lived through communism. Uh, my father-in-law lived through communism, and some people from uh, Eastern European countries, or, or from China, or from uh, Cuba, you know, Venezuela, all of us lived through communism, and believe me, communism is not a system one wants to live in. You don't necessarily... Now, I want you to remember this. You don't necessarily need socialism to have secularism. <laughs> and I want you to remember very carefully, listen to this, but socialism can really help advance secularism. In other words, socialism provides the best environment for secularism to develop and grow. You can have secular people without, being sociali without socialism, because we have that in uh, Western countries, uh, you know, developed countries. But socialism provides a very good fertile ground for, for secularism to grow and, and develop. Now, America is a highly religious nation, still a highly religious nation. Yet the last 20 years have seen a dramatic rise in secularism. There is a rapid growth of Americans who report no religious affiliation. And let me show you something on the screen. Some of the research that has been done recently, and I, I would like uh, if you can see that on the screen, uh, the Pew Research, uh, secularism has become especially common among young people in the United States. The Pew Research Center surveys conducted in 2018 and 2019 says 65% of the Americans, uh, of, of American adults, describe themselves as Christians. That's still good, 65%. But that is 12% down from a past decade. In just a decade, 12%. That's very fast. If you take it historically, that is very fast growth. Meanwhile, the religiously unaffiliated uh, these are people that are called nuns. 
They don't have a religion. Uh, this can be atheists or they, anybody that says, I'm just, you know, you heard this thing. They say, I'm just spiritual, not religious, right? You heard that. I have, I'm, I'm spiritual in my own ways, but not religious. That means they're not affiliated with anything, okay? Their spirituality is their own spirituality. So these nuns, uh, uh, you know, they grew... Now they stand at 26%, up from 17 in 2009, just in 10 years, uh, that, that is quite a rise there, 9%. That's a big percentage. Um, in raw numbers, this translates to an increase from 36.6 million to 55.8 million of Americans. They consider themselves nuns. They don't have any religious affiliation. Now the Pew Research Center poll also reported, and this is a troubling one, they also reported that 34 to 36% of millennials, those born after 1980s, are nuns. And that is a big number. Millennials. Don't get me started on millennials. <laughs> um, millennials are losing their faith quickly and uh, religious affiliation. This is almost 40% of young people that are right now are going to take over the country, and they are taking over the country. And the same happens, the same trend happens here in Canada. It's not just the United States. The same trend happens here. So that's why we see the rise of secularism because of the millennials. Um, parents, we probably missed the opportunity, I know, uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, with the, many of those young people that have chosen to leave the church and become secular instead of continuing with religion. And so we can look into those things, but that's not the purpose of the sermon. I believe that nothing describes better the situation that uh, is going through right now in the United States than the fifth, fifth and sixth trumpets of Revelation 9. So I want you to open with me Revelation chapter 9. Today, I just put the background for you to see what's happening. And uh, if you look, I have it on the screen, a lot of different... Uh, uh, newspapers are coming up saying uh, the National Geographic in 2016 said the world's newest major religion, religion is no religion at all. Uh, then you have the Scientific America, 2018, the number of Americans with no religion affiliation is rising. Uh, then you have the Premier Christianity, says the rise of secularism. You have this Vox magazine, secularism on the rise. Then you have the Atlantic, they said Three decades ago, America lost its religion. Remember 20, 30 years ago? That's when we lost it because we did not pass it to our children, and our children did not inherit that, and that's when they lost their religion, and that's why the secular is rising. So I'm showing you from different perspectives right now what's happening in America. But um, let's go to uh, Revelation chapter 9, the fifth trumpet. And we will stay in the fifth trumpet for the rest of our sermon today to show you what the events that are happening and how we can put this in a prophetic perspective. Let's read together, starting verse 1 to 12. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke lo locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth has, have power. 
They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, one angel of the, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. One O is past. Behold, still two more O's are coming after these things. Highly symbolic language. Before we go, and I'm not going to touch on every detail. Some of you were in my Revelation seminar I did about uh, in the beginning of the year in February. We talked in details, verse by verse, phrase by phrase, what this would mean. Today I'm just going to give you, I have about 45, 50 minute presentation. I'll have to do it in 20 minutes today, okay, what we're talking about here. So we're not going to talk about every detail, about every symbol, but the most important symbols to understand this prophecy. Uh, also just wanted to let you know that at this time we're working on recording this once and I'll have an online evangelism meeting starting the new year with the same Revelation seminar and we will, uh, that's where you'll be able to understand more. But for now, let's go into this and see what's happening here. In verse 1, we see the star fallen from heaven um, and once again... All of these are symbols, and behind the symbol stands a literal person or a literal event. So we have to understand what's happening here, what's happening in the fifth trumpet. The trumpets represent historical periods in history, and, and now we are on the fifth trumpet, and here, the fallen star, it refers to Satan himself. Um, once again, I want to say there are different explanations out there, even within our church and the historicist explanations, but this is the one we're going to take today. And so the fifth, uh, the fallen star is the devil. Uh, the great star fallen from heaven reminds us of Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 15, where it mentions the star of the morning, referring to Lucifer. Before he fell, he was the star of the morning. He was a star, but then he fell. All right, so that's why it's a fallen star. Um, and so in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, uh, Jesus says that he saw Satan fell like like lightning from heaven. So this fallen star most likely here refers to Satan himself, to the devil. And he has the keys from the pit or from the abyss or the bottomless pit. Um, once again, the pit is not a literal place here on earth, okay? It's a, symb it's a symbolic place. Uh, the bottomless pit most likely refers here to the earth itself, um, it's, it's a place of demons because that devil is in charge of the, his demons and so he is in charge here he's in control because he has the keys keys symbolize power and control he can open 
at the bottomless pit, and that's what he does. So the devil is in control here on earth, and the earth itself is the bottomless pit. This idea is reinforced in Revelation 20, verse 1 to 3, where it says that during a thousand years, uh, during the millennium, the devil will be where? In the bottomless pit. He'll be tied in the bottomless pit. So where will the devil be? The bottomless pit there means the earth itself, the desolate earth. So the bottomless pit refers to the earth itself in where Satan has control. Now, when Satan opens the bottomless pit, we have smoke coming out. And that's why I entitled my sermon today, The Rising Smoke. The smoke coming out of, of, of the pit in the fifth trumpet creates thick darkness in the sky. Uh, light in the New Testament stands for what? For gospel, for the, the gospel truth. Jesus is the true light that enlightens everyone in the world. Darkness is the absence of the gospel. So uh, it means here that when this, it's the bottomless pit is open, the smoke comes out, it darkens the sun. The sun means Jesus Christ in the Bible. So it darkens Jesus and his gospel. So the truth is being darkened. There is a lot of falsehood coming into the world when this bottomless pit, when, when Satan is starting his activities during the fifth trumpet. And so... In order for us to understand the darkness here in the fifth trumpet, we must start a little bit back in the fourth trumpet. The fourth trumpet depicts the period following the Middle Ages, the intellectual revolution in Europe during the 17th and 18th century, the Enlightenment period. You heard about the Enlightenment. You heard about the Age of Reason uh, uh, you know, during the French Revolution. That's the fourth trumpet. And so uh, this Age of Reason or Age of Enlightenment ended the dominance of Christian faith in the Western world. Skepticism toward faith of any kind allowed human reason to replace the Bible's authority. The negative aspect of secularism gradually eroded the Christian faith. And this led to the rise of, of things like rationalism, skepticism, humanism, liberalism, and all those things. All of those start during the fourth trumpet after the French Re Revolution, after the Age of Enlightenment. People weren't satisfied with religion anymore. They wanted to rebel against religion. And so they bring the human reason. We can do it apart from God. That was the whole point of humanism. And then which ultimately led to secularism. So the, the rise of rationalism, skepticism, and all these isms, as I said, gives birth to secularism. The events happening during the fourth trumpet put the foundation for the rise of secularism, which is described in the fifth and sixth trumpets. The darkness that started in the fourth trumpet is gradually intensifying here in the fifth and sixth trumpets. Now, in Revelation 9, verse 3, John sees the locusts coming out, coming out of the smoke that have tails like scorpions. These locusts should be interpreted once again symbolically. And the clue for that is found in, in the symbolism. Um, the symbolism is found in the clue that Jesus gives us in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20. And Jesus in that passage uses snakes and scorpions as metaphors for demons or evil spirits. So this scorpion-like locust... Uh, the locusts that have a scorpion tail, it most likely refer to the demons, which is the army of the fallen star, of the devil. 
This leads us to conclude that the locusts are demonic forces. They are described as horses ready for battle, which shows us that this is the army of the devil. Now, we're putting the, the, the foundation for something very important, but we have to understand the foundation, the fourth and fifth trumpet, the darkness that is starting to happen from the time of French Revolution during the Age of Enlightenment, and then that darkness is intensifying during the fifth trumpet and the sixth trumpet. So John saw the smoke was rising from the bottomless pit. It is interesting to see uh, that um, both the smoke here in chapter 9 and there is a beast described in Revelation chapter 11 that both arise from the bottomless pit. The beast, from the, the beast from the abyss or from the bottomless pit in Revelation chapter 11. Now, as I was thinking about that, I, I made a connection in my mind and I'm going to explain this to you and see if it makes sense to you. This is not to say that the smoke here in Revelation 11 and the beast from the abyss in Revelation uh, smoke from Revelation 9 and the beast from the bottomless pit in Revelation 11 are the same things. It's not that. But there is a connection here. So what is the connection? The beast in Revelation 11, most of historicist uh, theologians agree that that beast represents the fresh, uh, French Revolution. All right? That's the beast from the bottomless pit. So that represents French Revolution, the time of French Revolution. Now, how I see the connection here. French Revolution was an event that happened in the past. It came and it was gone, right? But French Revolution had lasting effects on the entire world. You see where I'm going with that? The event came and it was gone, but the results of it are still seen and felt even today. And what was the result? Humanism and secularism. I can do it in my own power. I don't need God. That was the result of that. So as the smoke, which is the effect of fire, right? When the fire comes, it's gone. What do we see afterwards? We see the, still the smoke. As the smoke is the effect of fire, and it can be seen and felt for quite a while after the fire has gone, so is the effect of the French Revolution as seen and felt even today. Do you understand where I'm going with that? That's the connection that I was making. The beast from the abyss, the French Revolution, has come up in history around 1798, and then it was gone. But as the beast disappeared, the smoke, the effects of the French Revolution that began to rise at that time, it's still rising today, and it's darkening the entire world. The smoke that started then during the French Revolution is darkening the world even today. So the fourth trumpet describes the darkening under the age of enlightenment in Europe from 17th to 18th century. But the fifth trumpet refers to the spiritual condition in the secular world and the consequences of such conditions from 19th century roughly to the time of modernity, which is considered the middle of the 20th century, where traditional God-centered theology was replaced by a man-centered philosophy in which man is accountable only to himself. No more accountability to God, only to himself. Now, the rising smoke of the demonic activities is very evident today, isn't it? The de de demonic forces under the leadership of the devil, the fallen star, are darkening the world today. 
Revelation 9 verse 10 says that these symbolic locusts uh, had tails. They had tails like scorpions, and they had stings in their tails to hurt and torment people. Satan is using many ideologies today and throughout history to hurt the people and to torment them. And one of those stings that Satan is using today, after French Revolution and today very effectively, is secularism. That's the sting of death that Satan is using. That's the smoke that is rising and, and it's creating a darkness in the world and the sun almost became darkened completely. That's what the Bible says. Now, let's talk a little bit about secularism and a little bit of history in the United States of secularism will help you understand where we stand in, this sixth tr- in the fifth trumpet. So the fifth trumpet talks about the rising and advance of secularism, so to speak, okay? So let's look at this. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines secularism as indifference to or rejection or exclusion of religion and religious considerations. Exclusion, rejection of religion. The term secularism was first used uh, by this British guy, the writer George uh, Holyoke in 1851. And he invented this term secularism to describe his views uh, of promoting a social order, what? Separate from religion. That's what started with the French Revolution. And all the effects of that are being seen today Everything is to distance yourself from religion, at the same time distance yourself from God. I am my my own God. I decide myself. I can do it myself. I don't need religion. I don't need God anymore. And those trends are continuing very, very uh, heavily today. Let me read you a few important quotes. Former Harvard president Nathan M. Posse confirmed this view Uh, when he told the graduating class that secularism, and listen to this, has itself become a faith or a religion and raised a hope that man can, through his own effort, without God, solve, solve all the remaining problems which stand between him and a secular paradise on earth. This is the Harvard uh, president. You know what they do at Harvard. They educate people, young people. This is, you see where I'm going with this. At a lot of universities, a lot of our universities and schools have become very secular. And that's the strategy of the star fallen from heaven. That's the strategy of the devil. If you want to darken the world, first darken the minds of our young people with secular ideologies, and then you can win the battle. And I'll show it to you in a lot of quotes how that is happening. So let's go to another one. In in an article, uh, Dr. Albert uh, Mahler Jr. says this, and the article is called The Advance of Secularism. And and read those with me in your mind and, and just think about them. It says, the West's new cultural and moral environment did not emerge from a vacuum. Massive intellectual changes have shaped and reshaped Western culture since the dawn of the Enlightenment. Remember, French Revolution, Enlightenment, that's when everything started, the the darkening of our society. At the heart of this great intellectual shift is what? Secularization. It's secularism. Societies move into conditions in which there is less and less theistic, 
or godly belief and authority until there is hardly even a memory that such a binding authority had ever existed. Once again, they didn't want God to be their authority. They wanted to be their own authority. And that's why they said, we need to move away from religion, from God. We want secularism, humanism. We are our own gods. Now, Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor uh, has traced the influence and effects of secularization on the Western world in his very uh, great book. It's a huge book. It's about six, seven hundred pages. I don't tell you to read it before bedtime, but uh, it's, it's a great resource. And uh, in his book, it's called The Secular Age. And Taylor shows that Western history can be defined by three intellectual periods or eras. And what are these periods? This is what he says. And this will tell you how we actually put the fourth, fifth, and sixth trumpets together. Uh, actually, third, fourth, and fifth. So, he says this, in the pre-enlightenment, before the French Revolution, in that era, it was what? Impossible not to believe. It was impossible not to believe before the Enlightenment era because everybody believed in God pretty much. It was impossible not to believe. That was um, you know, the only pretty much worldview that people had at that time. So everybody believed in God or something supernatural. That all changed with the Enlightenment and the availability of alternative worldviews. So the second era, after the Enlightenment, after the French Revolution, at this point, it became possible. It became possible not to believe. In the first one, it was impossible not to believe. In the second one, it becomes a possibility. We have other worldviews, like humanism, secularism, uh, atheism, and so on, evolution, theory of evolution, and things like that. But in the third era, and this is where we come close to us, uh, the third set of intellectual conditions defined with late modernity, and that's kind of uh, what we are living today. And for this third one, it became, uh, in the third one actually, it becomes now impossible to believe. Now follow this trace. It was impossible not to believe, after the Enlightenment, it became a possibility not to believe. But now becomes impossible to believe. Do you think sometimes you're in this category? Because what happens today, if you have faith in God and if you believe, you're ostracized. You're set aside like you, something is wrong with you. And that becomes more and more prominent right now. It becomes prominent Western Europe. I'm not even talking about Western Europe because they're far gone ahead of North America. North America, actually United States was holding the fort, so to speak, of Christianity and religion. But America is being overtaken by the same secular ideologies as the Western Europe has been overtaken in the last 50 or so years. And so now it becomes impossible to believe. So for at least a century, as I said, America has been the exception to secularization in Western society. The vast majority of Americans at least say they believe in God, yet there is one sector of American public life that, had, that has kept pace with secularization. And what is that? American universities and schools. I told you I'll come back to that. This is big. Secular minds that wanted to secularize the world, and especially United States, they started working in the backgrounds, in the schools and universities. Why? Because as I said, if you darken the minds of the children, you will darken the future and the whole world. 
So even though it wasn't yet an open uh, ideology of secularism, uh, in the schools they started, started that very, very early. Let me read you a few troubling quotes, but I want you to see that how Satan, the star fallen from heaven, how he brought this up into American society and into our society. Crisis Magazine, March 1, uh, 1987. Article entitled Secularism in Public Schools. And Virgil C. Bloom, he says this. In compliance with the court's decisions, most public schools have banned the teaching of religion. In doing so, they have effectively suppressed the teaching of religiously grounded moral values. Forbidding the teaching of such values is virtually the same as teaching that those values are false or at least irrelevant to man's affairs. So first, you see what they do. They first suppressed. They say you can't teach moral values in schools. They didn't say that the religious values are wrong per se in the beginning. They just said don't teach them in schools. But when you don't teach them, you don't make that available to your children, slowly they start thinking that those values are irrelevant or they're false. If they would be taught in school, it means they're right. And so that was a very interesting way they start doing it very slowly, and that's how Satan always works. Now look at this one, Supreme Court. In 1947, that was a long, long time ago. I wanted to put this on the screen to show you that that started quite a while ago. Supreme Court conceded in the aversion case in 1947 that secularism is in fact a religion of the public school. This is what they say. Our public school, it said, is organized on the premises that secular education can be isolated from all religious teaching so that the school can inculcate or, inculcate or indoctrinate all needed temporal knowledge. What they're saying, for the temporal knowledge that your children need, you don't need religion. You just need secularism. They have enough. That Supreme Court in 1947 talking about the public schools. This one is the most troubling that I found and, and I think we can relate to that here in Canada and people in Western Europe can relate to that. I think we already went through that, but we will go through that even more. Let me put this one on the screen. Dr. Sharon James, she says the following. There seems to be what I would call a hard secularism, and the way that is manifesting itself is that when we come to the school's issues, parents are being told at the moment, of course, we believe in freedom, so of course you can believe what you want in the confines of your home. But you know what? When your children get into school, we, the state, the government, have the right to re-educate them. That's troubling. And we are going to re-educate them according to our secular values. Now, that is not a tolerant secularism, she says. That is a very intolerant secularism, and it's effectively threatening the privacy of the family as well as freedom of religion and conscience. Did you catch what she's saying here? So what the state is saying, listen, you're still free. You can teach your children at home whatever you want. But when they're in school, we will teach them secular ideologies. And you can't do anything about this. 
This is intolerant secularism. Secularism in the beginning started as a tolerant secularism. They started as an alternative view to religion. They said, well, you can still believe in religion. We don't uh, push or judge anybody. We just want to have an alternative view. Slowly, it's not becoming an alternative, but it's becoming what? The only thing you can believe. You see how it's happening? Now, if you don't believe like we do, you're ostracized. You're, you're, you know, uh, you, people think that you're not healthy. And so it's their way or the highway it became. It became a very intolerant secularism. We had this with the previous government a few years back when we fought in schools. Remember that? We fought about because we were imposed to believe some things, even in private schools, that we as Christians could not accept, but they were imposed even on the private schools. And that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Because what secularism is saying, when the state have the kids, we will teach them secular ideologies. In the home, you can do whatever you want. Do you know that in Western Europe, especially in Nordic countries, Norway, Denmark, which a lot of socialists say we want the model of those countries because it works so well, in those countries, so, uh, secularism is so prevalent. There is no religion anymore in those Western Nordic countries, if you want to say that way. But even in the homes, even in the homes, their parents are told what they can teach or not to teach their children. That's how bad it's becoming there. And this is the model we want to adopt here in North America. People without that don't know history and don't think about that. They think it's some social utopian society that everybody can be equal and everybody can have whatever they want. It's in an ideal society that they have in their mind, but they don't understand that the fallen star, which is Satan, the devil, stands behind this ideologies and this smoke that is rising, this darkness that is overtaking the world, and we are living through that darkness. Let me give you one more quote, and then we'll finish. In 1983, the Humanist, the Journal of the American Humanist Association, published a prize-winning essay which expressed the conviction that the battle for humankind's future must be waged and won in where? In the public school classroom by teachers who correctly perceive their role as the proselytizers of a new faith, which they mean secularism. That is so troubling. They know the secret. They know how to get the society. First, we must inculcate or indoctrinate, proselytize our children with secularism. And when we have our children, we will have the future. This is where we come back to the election today. As I said, Joe Biden, once again, I'm not talking about person. I'm talking about the ideologies. He's called the most progressive president in the United States history. A lot of progressives, young millennials, have voted for him because they, they want this utopian society. They want this idea, the secularism, because almost 40% of that uh, millennials uh, group are secular, uh, are secular people. So they, they want this. So when we see all of this, we put this in the perspective of the fifth trumpet, we see that God predicted that way in advance that that is going to happen. What do we need to do as Christians? to pay attention to those trends, to look at those ideologies, and to really think about that where we are in the time, on the timeline of history. 
brothers and sisters, we are very close. Everything that is happening in the world and what this election in the United States has shown us today, America is becoming more and more secular. They would like to call it progressive, but it's not. We in Canada, we are further ahead of the United States. <laughs> we are secularizing on a much more rapid pace than the United States. But when the United States catches up, that's what is going to affect the entire world. That's what is going to affect the entire world. America is getting more and more secularized. And it's more common to see the following events taking place. 30, 40 years ago, you wouldn't see that, but look at these few pictures I put on the screen for you. Atheist Pride Parade. There's a very common right now. Atheist Pride Parade. So uh, then you have this. American Atheist Conferences. These are very popular, and these are only like 2008, 2009, very, very recent, and they're getting more popular. Then you have this, Atheist Bus Campaign. <laughs> uh, read what it says. There is probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. And that's the young millennial generation mentality. And this is getting more and more popular everywhere in the United States and here in Canada, all around the world. And I have one more. This is a troubling one. Billboard, big one in the United States. Freedom from religion. Imagine no religion. This is what they want you to start thinking. Imagine if there was no religion. You'd be free from religion. That would be a great society to live in. And that's the indoctrination that is going on in the minds of our children right now. Parents, they're starting in schools and in universities. And this is becoming a very troubling trend that is going on and with this election, I can see the trend of the fifth trumpet. Really, the smoke is rising and darkening the world. It's really dark in the world today. So let me conclude with this. The rise and advancement of secularism will set the stage for the last conflict of Earth's history. All these radical liberal and secular ideologies will eventually lead to a response from the radical right. So the left is pushing right now so hard towards very secular ideology in, in the world. So when they will push so hard, I believe there will be a pushback from the radical right. And these are Christians, all right? And so when that happens, this hard push from the left will eventually get a very hard pushback from the right, which this, this right push will go to extreme. You always know that people like to go to extremes. Now, people asking me, has the left, radical left, pushed far enough? I say no. And that's what's happening right now with the United States election. This is when, and, and so I believe that we're still in the time of the radical left pushing hard their agenda. We can see that very clearly today in the United States and around the world. I believe we haven't reached the point yet when the radical right wing will start pushing back. But all the events happening today are showing us that we are very, very close. The smoke from the bottomless pit is darkening the world. And it will darken it to such a point when there will be a hard push back. And when that happens, when the radical right pushes back to, uh, towards this radical left, this is what's going to happen. That's when the Protestantism will unite with the Catholicism, ecumenical movement, and will form an alliance against secular ideologies. This will put the foundation for the rise of the end-time Babylon that is being talked in Revelation chapter 17. That's how it's going to happen. L secular ideology will push so hard that the right will say, enough, it's enough. 
they will push back, and in so doing, they will go to extreme. And when that happens, when all this ecumenism happens, this will bring up the union of church and state that we've been talking about in Revelation chapter 13. And that will lead to a forced state religion again, as in the Middle Ages. And that's when the mark of the beast will be imposed. We are living in the time, in a prophetic time in history. We are living in a prophetic time. That's why I wanted to preach this today for you to see where we are at so we start thinking about that. Now, even though, let me conclude with a hope. I know it's looking dark out there. <laughs> I know all of these things are maybe scaring and frightening you. Even though it seems to be a very dark and bleak time in history, John reminds us in John 1 verse 5, he says this very simple verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Amen? Yes, there are a lot of, there is a lot of darkness out there. But the light, who is Jesus, amen? Jesus is the light. He shines in the darkness, and no one can extinguish him. He will shine through the darkness, and he will help us go through these dark times in history, and so that we can be overcomers, so that we can be victorious. May God bless you as you, we go through this together, as you ponder upon this, as you see where we stand, but always hold on to this hope that Jesus, who is the light, he will shine through the darkness until the end time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the blessing of the Sabbath day. Thank you for this time that we can spend together studying the word of God. Lord, you're showing us that we are very close to the end of this earth's history. Prophetically, we see that we are standing at the brink of some uh, big events uh, to happen in this world, in the political world, in the secular world. And I pray that, Lord, as we are looking at all this prophecy and we see them fulfilling, I pray that you'll give us uh, that hope, that you'll encourage us, that you will be with us during those dark times. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for showing us uh, that even though the, the fallen star, Satan, is using all his demonic forces today to darken the world and all through these ideologies that we have today, there is still hope for us, Lord. If we allow your light to shine through us, and we pray that, that we today will allow the light of Jesus to shine through us so that many will see that light and will come to know you, Lord. Encourage us, strengthen us, give us hope through these dark days. And Lord... We, we're looking forward towards that day that when you'll come to take us home. Thank you for all your blessings. Be with us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.